0: Chapter 2, starting at the first verse. It says, At that time, the Roman emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David... He had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who is now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. That night... You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel is joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace on earth to those whom with God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let us go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And they hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby laying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God, for all they had heard and seen, it was just as the angel had told them. So I would like to teach this morning from a teaching that I've titled The Birth of Jesus, The True Christmas Story. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, th- we thank you, Lord, that we have a day set aside to recognize the start of your earthly ministry, Not that we should not think about this daily, but we just want to have this day brought forth so that everyone will know that you are who you say you are. You are I am. You are the one true God, and that none of us are worthy. Lord, none of us. And this day is recognized as the day that you gave the opportunity for us to be saved and to be with you in eternity. Lord God, I just ask that hearts are open, ears are open, and that we would listen and that we would receive your story. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so let me ask you something. You can chime in. What, what do you think about when we talk about Christmas? All right, family. Anything else? um, Better yet, I'm going to ask this because in here, right, we've talked about a little bit about what this is, right? The birth of Jesus is the true Christmas story. So when we have Christmas, the first thing that should pop into our minds is Jesus, right? Very first thing. So a better question as I started thinking about this and what I was going to talk about is What does America, in general, when they think of, when you think about Christmas? Whoever said it, Santa everybody, everybody? (laughs) Um, We started at 1030. Anyway. No excuse. Anyway, so what does America think of when we talk about Christmas? They did. Santa Claus. That's the first thing that pops out. We got thousands of Santas all over the place. You got Santas at, you know, department stores. You got Santas on the street. Um, we used to have to talk about, um, when, we, when we would talk about Santa, um, that, you know, I mean, the Santa Claus dressed up, they're, that's not really Santa Claus that's sitting on the street. But that's somebody to help him. And they could either be his elves or they could be, you know, um, just Santa's helpers or however we wanted to classify them. But they were, um, but they're all over the place. And that's the first thing that we think about when we think about Christmas. Um, we think about presents. Man, who doesn't think about Christmas without thinking about presents? Whether you get one or whether you get ten. Um, decorations. We come up here. And we decorate the church, right? I mean, we, we do this for Christmas. We put wreaths up. Um, one, of the, one of the Christmas songs says the greatest joy you'll see is the holly that will be on your own front door. I mean, it's talking about decorations. So we're talking about when, when you talk to America about Christmas, and I don't even know, world over. I mean, I know that <clears throat> the world celebrates Christmas. But America has gone off the charts when they're talking about Christmas. And these big blow-ups have have taken the place of the old, um, you know, where you would just put lights. I mean, you know, it's it's like we got to go bigger and bigger every single year. And we start with, you know, we we used to just have, I remember my dad and I would put Christmas lights up, and it was the old, remember the old big bulbs, right, like that? And, And you just had one strand across the front of your house, whatever your house did, you followed it. And that was kind of it. And you would go through, and we would drive around and go look at the Christmas lights, and the and, and then every once in a while someone would pop up and have something. They decorate. They they put lights in a tree or something like that. And now it's all over. Now there's whole kinds of scenes. There's airplanes with Santas. There's uh, you know all the blow ups. All, everything is lit up. The the lights now you can buy a, a set of lights and just start at one end of your bush, and the two of you can walk over and just pull like this. Covers the whole bush. We've gone off the chart for decorations Um, when you think about Christmas. Now, um, how many were here for our Christmas caroling? We just did Wednesday. Okay. So when we went out there, um, what were some? I was driving. I didn't hear you. What were some of the songs you sang? Silent Night, Joy to the World. There you go. We sang Rudolph. I know that. And you know what? I'll just be honest. Joy to the World and Silent Night. That's great. I'm glad to hear that we did do that, but I do know that when, you know, when we were stopped and we saw some people, I mean, you know, we, we were doing a lot of jingle bells, right, because in, you know, around Christmas time, there are, and, and this morning, our singing, we were glorifying God, and we were recognizing the birth of Christ, like Ken, I asked, I threw a couple suggestions out to Ken and told him that we want to be geared this morning, to recognize this day for what it is, and not just a Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Like, we don't want those. Those are secular songs to represent Santa Claus and Christmas, which is not what Christmas is truly, truly about. Um, the uh, office parties, parties at school, none of that. There's nothing wrong. Let me say it. There's nothing wrong with any of that. Because as Christians, we want to be spreading goodwill and cheer throughout the year anyway, right? So if we have office parties, that's a great thing. We want to exchange presents, that's a great thing. You want to have Christmas trees? You want to have Santa Claus? All of that is a great thing. There's nothing wrong with it unless you put it above God. Then they become idols. Then they become things that you are worshiping more than Jesus Christ. And the true meaning of Christmas is about the beginning of Jesus' earthly ministry. The true meaning of Christmas is Jesus, right? So we mentioned presents. This year, and I didn't get the total, total number. Um, I, I looked, but so this year, Americans, on average, are going to spend um, right out a $1,000, for Christmas presents. That's gonna be the average family. Now, some families go way over that, some families go way under that. You gotta understand. But a thousand dollars. So if you take the average, if the average family spends a thousand dollars, the average median for salary in the United States is less than that. It's like in the $950-something dollar range, which means that we are taking In for one event, we are spending a week's worth of salary. And so those of us that have more that make a lot, they're probably going to spend more, but they're probably going to be in that average of that week. Um, If you make less and you don't have the money to get a lot of presents, you're still going to probably push out there and and get some presents because, you know, know, being parents, we want our kids to have presents and we want to give to each other. Um, they say that couples on average spend about three hundred dollars on each other, and they say that um, depending on the number of children and the number of money that the amount of money that you make, that parents will spend up to six hundred dollars on a child for christmas okay um, so we 're going we 're going crazy for this for this present thing, but if if we look at what we 're doing right. Okay, so if we if we try in a Christian household to say, um, okay, so what we're so this is Jesus's birthday, and that's why we have all these presents. Okay, so I'm gonna say, that's fine, but shouldn't the birthday boy have the biggest, right? And so I'll just bring this up now. You don't have to do this. You can do whatever is laid on your heart. I thought this was a really, really cool idea that Pastor presented years ago, and, um, and I've tried to fall in line with it since then. Um, I think the only year I didn't is when I got my wife a Jeep for Christmas, right? But we have up here what we call a Jesus box, right? And this Jesus box, um, and, and everyone knows that God doesn't need our money, right? We're not given 10% and just handing it to God. You're handing it to um, to a local church that can use it to disperse and to spread the word of God, and that's what the, the whole purpose behind the giving is, is so that the churches can move forward his word and get his word out to the public so that we can continue to spread the news of God. And across the back, we have... 10 missionaries um, that we provide money to on a regular basis. And what this Jesus box is, because they are doing the work of going out and they are um, spreading the word of God through these different countries, is we have this Jesus box. And what this Jesus box does is it goes to all 10 of those missionaries. This does not stay in our church. We take this and we spread this throughout our missionary field so that the word of God can continue to be spread. And so, you know, Pastor challenged us years ago, he's like, hey, whatever your biggest present is, make sure your biggest present goes to, to Jesus. So if I would buy my, my wife something that cost $130, then I made sure that my gift to Jesus was bigger than that $130. Now, that does two things. One is it glorifies God, but it also kind of keeps your spending in check, right, because you know, and like I said, when I I did buy a Jeep one year, I did not give the Lord a Jeep, and um, kind of felt guilty for that for a little while. Um, so anyway, um, but presents. One fifth of the people in America go into debt to pay for Christmas gifts and festivities. Here's one for you. <clears throat> On. Whatever apps you guys have, whatever social media apps you have, um, somebody was on there, and they were like, it's so ridiculous. I went out, and there was a lot li- not a live, but a real Christmas tree, which I think that's funny in itself because if, if you have a fake Christmas tree, it's still real, right? I mean, touch it, but, um, but a real Christmas tree, um, and she was like, it's $400, Right? Now, I know you can go to, to Lowe's, or, or um, I, I think they had them for around 100 or something. But check this out. In Christmas trees, we're going to spend $6.1 billion on Christmas trees. Not on lights, not on decorations, not on presents, on Christmas trees. $6.1 billion. And we have this, we, we talk about this, need to take care of our homeless, um, this need to take care of our veterans that have served for us, this need to take care of people in the United States, and yet we go out and we spend six billion dollars on Christmas trees, right? I mean, why are we not, why are we being stupid with our money? Why are we not recognizing what God wants us to do and help those that are in need. In um, 1941, on December 26, 1941, um, so we'll go back a little bit before that, Abraham Lincoln brought into effect Thanksgiving as a holiday, right? And it kind of went back and forth. At one time, it was the first Thursday in December, and it kind of bounced back and forth between states. But in 1941, by then, it had always been the last... The last few prior years had always been the fifth or the last Thursday in November. And sometimes that fell out on the fifth. So Franklin Roosevelt in nineteen forty one changed that to the fourth Thursday in November so that they could gain they could have the most Christmas shopping days in the year. Right? So we're our government setting up holidays so that we can achieve more um, of buying these presents, having Santa Claus recognized, didn't do anything to promote the gospel or the birth of Jesus Christ when we did this. Um, so I want to, when, when we talk about the world and the perversity of what's going on, um, I had my son run out and get my phone. So if you guys... I know pastors talked about it in the past. If you want to see what America looks like, is going to look like, look at what England did, right? Because we're about 20 years behind England or 10, whatever it is. We're behind England, but, you know, they they got the rock and roll and the Beatles first, and then they came this way. Everything kind of moves this way as we go along. But um, I don't know if you guys know, heard, read about, but one of the things we're supposed to do is we're supposed to pray for Christians all over the world, right? And in England, there was a man who, by the way, he didn't have a larynx, right? So, oh, he could talk was like this. That was about as loud as he could get. And there were two women holding hands going down the street, and he just said, I, you know, I, I hope you guys are sisters. And he, you know, threw a verse out. Now, I, I'm kind of in agreement with Pastor. Not, I don't go around beating people over the head with the Bible, but he was like, I'm going to pray for you. Right? That's basically what he told them with this this no box. And the police showed up, and they arrested him because um, he was offensive to them, and they said that he was shouting at them. Right? So, you know, they're liars right there to start with, but it was just a prayer that offended them. And then the courts in England, um, not only did they make that, um, did they stand up for those women and make that, Um, a law that you couldn't say offensive things when you're talking about God, but they also broke out the Bible and anything in the Bible that was offensive, they banned. So England has now banned portions of the Bible where it talks about homosexuality or different sexual sins or, um, you know, just... Anything that is offensive to people these days, they have banned that in England. Two days ago, there was a woman outside of an abortion clinic across the street leaning against the wall with her eyes closed, her hands folded, and she was praying. And one of the people from the abortion clinic walked up and asked her what she was doing. She wasn't even out loud. She was just praying silently for that abortion clinic across the street. And they asked her, and she said, I'm just sitting here praying. And they arrested her because that was an offensive state. So Christians are being, it's getting closer. It's not that we're just being um, offended and persecuted in the Far East. It's getting closer and closer and closer. And a bishop spoke up against it, and I don't know what's going to come of the bishop, um, but he had a problem Because this was sung, and I don't know how many of you have seen this. This was sung at the Holy Trinity Church in London, England. Right? A Christmas carol. Prior to the service, in church, just like we were up here recognizing God and glorifying God. And we even sang, God rest you merry gentlemen, right? God rest, uh, this is... This is legit. This is the song they sang. God rest you queer and questioning, your anxious hearts be still. Um, And then further on in it, it says, God rest you also women who by men have been erased through history ignored and scorned, defiled and displaced. That's their Christmas song so that they could appeal to the woke, uh, the wokeness of what's going on in the world today. I mean, they're they're like we're it's not only is England banning parts of the Bible, they're changing the things that they recognize to glorify God to not glorify God. And they're doing it in what in their church. I mean, this is like this is how bad that we have gotten um, in not recognizing Jesus' birthday. So before I get back into the scriptures. I have just a couple things that I want because I want to mention. um, We recognize this day, December 25th, as being Jesus' birthday. It's the day that we chose to recognize. It has never come out definitively what day it is, but um, it wasn't December 25th. Okay, That's pretty much agreed upon. Because the shepherds were out at night And during that time of year In December in, um, in Israel The shepherds wouldn't have been out at night right? It would have been freezing cold They would have had them in People think, theologians believe That it was somewhere between March and June Is when the actual birth um, Actually happened So it's not December 25th and, um, and while we're on shepherds right? Let me just This is just something that Kind of sticks with me. It's one of those things that you have to understand. You know, when you're talking with crazy people, how this thing kind of sticks in my mind all the time. But most of the um, manger scenes that are out for Christmas, which I think is cool, most of the time it's Christians that are putting manger scenes out. You got baby Jesus and Mary and Joseph, but you generally have the three kings there, and you don't have the shepherds there, right? Anybody notice that? I think it's because when you find shepherds, there's only two of them, and they got three kings, so maybe they get more money out of selling three kings. I don't know. But this is what I've wanted to do in my house, is I wanted to have a manger scene with shepherds, and then over here I want to have, um, have camels and kings like by themselves like on a journey, right? and then they get over here to a little hut, and it's got a little toddler running out. You know, and they're picking him up, hugging him. Because Jesus was a toddler when the kings got to him, right? But we're here to talk about the shepherds, and we're here to talk about Christmas. In Micah 5, 2, it says, But you, O Bethlehem, are only a small village among the people of Judah, yet a ruler of Israel whose origins are in the distant past will come from you on my behalf. So that was 400 years. Prior. That was Micah's last book of the Old Testament. That was 400 years prior to the coming of Jesus. And along with um, a lot of other predictions, they predicted that um, Jesus was going to be born in Bethlehem. And in Luke 2, um, if we'll start out at verse 3, Keon, says, and all returned to their own ancestral towns to register for the census, and because Joseph was a descendant of King David. So Luke, who was, who was a writer of one of the Gospels, was also not Jewish. He's the only non-Jewish to write a book in the New Testament. And Luke, when he traced the lineage, he traced the lineage of Joseph not only back through King David, but also all the way back to Christ when he, did his, um, when he did his lineage. So King David was from Bethlehem. That was their ancestral home. So when they took the census, that's where he was required to go back to was Bethlehem. Now, they, were in, they lived in Nazareth at the time, which is where Jesus became a Nazarene. There's references in the Old Testament about Jesus coming from Nazareth, but born in Bethlehem. All of these things fall in line. And what's so cool is when we've talked about different, um, whether it's the birth of Jesus or whether it's um, um, any event in the Old Testament, any event in the New Testament, what's really cool is that with all the archaeological digs, with everything that we've ever done, with everything we've ever uncovered as a human being, We have never found anything that has gone against the Bible only to confirm what the Bible has said, which we know as Christians to be true. So he had to go to uh, Bethlehem, and they traveled from Nazareth in Galilee. In verse 5 he says, He took with him Mary to whom he was engaged and was now expecting a child, right? So Joseph, um, they're engaged, right? Right? And Joseph is going to be married to Mary, and she's already carrying a baby. And those of you that know the story know that the angel appeared to Joseph and said, Hey, look, you know th- th- this is the right thing. you got to stand by your woman, right? Because this is God's son that's coming. This is God's son, and this is what I want to get to today. This is God's son that is coming to save for the salvation of the whole world, right? So Mary was pregnant when she gets there. In um, verse 6 says, while they, were, while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born, and she gave birth to her first born son, right? They were in the manger. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth, laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them at the inn. So this representation, I mean, I'm, I'm just going to ask, how many in here think that, If God wanted his son to be born in a five-star resort, he would have been born in a five-star resort, right? If God wanted the inn, I mean, we don't know anything about this inn. It may have been the best one in town. It may have been the Motel 6 in town. We don't know. But what we do know is there was no room for him at the inn, and that was intentional. That's on purpose, right? Because he was sent, he was born in a manger with the animals because Christ came and his entire ministry was one of of humility and being humble, right? God sent himself to humble himself for us so that we could recognize that you don't have to be all that to be saved. Christ came to save all mankind, but he came to and presented himself to the poor and to the needy and to the sick. Right? I mean, when he sat down with the tax collectors, they were, why, why are you sitting with those sinners? He's like, well, if you're already healthy, you don't need me. Right? I'm coming here to save those that need it. And he represented himself in a humble fashion, and his very first act here on earth is to be born in a manger as low as you can get. As low as you can get. And it says, that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. And they were terrified, right? I mean, so let's say we are, like if we're working outside, shepherds, you got your sheep going on. All of a sudden there's bright light. I mean, I'm just going to ask you, how many people in here have seen a UFO? Right? Okay, I'm going to tell you I've seen twice. So, I mean, we won't go into detail, but I've seen a UFO. Freaked me out a little bit, okay? Once I made sure that it wasn't, that, you know, in my mind, that it wasn't some military spacecraft, whatever, you know, test module thing. But, I mean, this thing was, like, here, and then it was there, and it took, like, that quick. Um, a couple of other, you guys want to talk to me about it? That's fine, UFOs. That's all conspiracy. Anyway, But um, but... The point is kind of freaked me out a little bit well that was off in the distance and that was a spot in the, in the sky if you're laying there hanging out with your sheep and all of a sudden in the middle of the night the sky is filled with the Lord's radiance do we realize how big the Lord's radiance is right we do you know the size of future Jerusalem Future Jerusalem would cover an area bigger than the state of Texas. It's it's not going to be where Jerusalem is. The city, the future Jerusalem, is going to be this huge city, and it's not going to have any power powering it from um, solar energy or um, oil or wind. It says it's going to be, it's, yep, it's going to be powered by the radiance of the Lord. Right, So if Jerusalem, bigger than the state of Texas, is going to be powered by the radiance of the Lord. Imagine what these shepherds saw when they're out there in pitch black. Maybe you can see a few stars up there, whatever. And then the radiance of the Lord appears to them. Of course they're terrified. right? But how many of us know when God does things, he does things in a big way. No matter he came in humble, he's still, he's still announcing this in a big way. The Lord's radiance filled the sky to these shepherds, right? So they're freaking out, yet the angel comes to them and says, Don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you have to understand that every Christian, every person that has ever been saved, and you've heard pastors say this, Every person that has ever been saved has been saved in the belief of Jesus Christ. And at this time, they knew who the angel was talking about. They knew that the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in the city of Bethlehem. They knew what the angels were talking about because they already believed in him. They believed in the coming Messiah. And then now we believe that he was and that he raised himself from the dead 2,000 years ago. And, that's, and we believe and we get a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's how we are saved. But we're still saved by the Messiah, by the Lord, who was born in Bethlehem on that day. So, suddenly the angels joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased, right? So if God is not pleased with you, you might not have peace on earth, right? It's a whole different topic for another sermon at a different time. So when the angels returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Like, we just had this magnificent event. We were in the dark, just hanging out with our sheep. The gloriness of the Lord came down. Dazzled them, said, don't be afraid. This is why you're here, and this is how you're going to find the baby. And so in verse 16, it says, they hurried to the village, and they found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby laying in the manger. And after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. Okay? So let me ask you, is that something that we should not be doing today? Should we not? If God has come into your heart, then you know you're changed, right? God has done something with inside of you if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And God has commanded us to go out and to preach the gospel, the good news, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ the virgin birth of jesus christ this is what god has commanded us to do and guess what the shepherds did it because they've been waiting since the beginning of the world for the messiah to come and they witnessed it they were had this big event happen and they're like hey let's go do and they went and they went and they told everyone and everyone that they told were astonished at this so if we go if we would take the lord's story and maybe a little bit of our testimony, if you're truly saved, and we would tell people about the true birth, the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. And I've had people, I've had a person tell me that worked for me, that called himself a Christian, went to church every single Sunday, and said, well, you know, in the Hebrew language, there's multiple um, definitions for each word, and you know virgin can also be construed as just a young woman and i i just so that's the that's the, what i'm going with right if if you don't have a virgin birth then how are you if if you don't believe that god sent his son down and born through a virgin then, then you're calling his word lies first of all right you're trying to use your own Peon mine, right? I mean, it's, it's Nancy's, I wish you wouldn't say stuff like that. I mean, really, compared to God, we're nothing, right? And we're trying, we're trying to justify what God has said. That's not what we do. We need to go out in faith, and we need to go out and proclaim the good news of God, starting with the virgin birth, which is what we are recognizing today. That is what this day is about. And then in 19 it said, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. Mary didn't go out and run around and tell all these things, but Mary had a great responsibility through her whole life, right? How would you like to be the mom of somebody perfect? I mean, I kept trying to tell my mom that she was the mom of somebody perfect <laughs> up through I was about a teenager, but, but I, I wasn't, right? Right? I mean, and she kept these things and she pondered them in her heart and she thought about them often. And the shepherds, they went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel told them. So this is the story of Christmas, the virgin birth, the beginning of God's earthly ministry to save us. The penalty of sin is death, and it's a a penalty that we can't pay on our own, and this is how God chose. We get around Easter time, and none of us have the comprehension of why you would send your son to the cross, but he did. Why would you bring your son in in a manger? I don't know, but he did. I know this. My mind's peon compared to God's. If that, that might be giving me extra credit, right? God is amazing. He, he chose to take a group of people that don't deserve anything and to give us salvation. And what we have to understand is every Christmas morning that we wake up from now until we go see him, that the true... Meaning of Christmas is this right here? The true meaning of Christmas is the Virgin Birth of Jesus Christ. The true meaning of Christmas is Jesus, and that's it, and that's what it's about. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for this day again. Like I, we ca- we can't thank you enough. We are. So unworthy um, the, the the story, the angels appearing, the virgin birth, the shepherds the just everything that 's involved with this story, Lord is in itself amazing because you you brought your son in at such humble beginnings and to humble himself throughout and then to Sacrifice himself. I, I don't know why. I don't understand. I don't pretend to. But I know that it's true. I know that you love us. And I know that all we have to do is love you. I know that Jesus came to save everyone in the world. But if you don't accept the gift, then you don't have salvation. And, Lord, I just ask that we in this room and Christians around the world would recognize what this day is for, what this day is about, and that we would spread the word and that we would glorify you, praise you for everything that we have heard and seen, Lord. And let us go out and let us tell others so that they may be astonished at what they hear, so that they may be astonished at the true story of Christmas and what it really represents. And, Lord, I ask that you're over everyone here in this congregation as we make our way home and that we celebrate this day and that we continue to keep this day totally focused on you. In
1: Jesus' name.
0: Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine podcast, and visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to alcfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church, loving God, loving people.